good evening and welcome to a live special edition of the Carolina Weather Group. It is Monday, June the 28th, 2021. I am James Bryerton coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina, and we have our panel spread out across the Carolinas as we are continuing to track Tropical Storm Danny. Here's a live look in Charleston, South Carolina, where we're continuing to see that low cloud deck rolling on through. The winds, according to this camera, have subsided a little bit based on what we were seeing earlier, but we have two uh, reports and panelists right now joining us from that Charleston area. We have Shay Gibson and Jared Smith, who will tell us what those winds were like a little bit earlier. And we also have our dear friend Scotty Powell along with us to help uh, steer tonight's conversation. Now, Tropical Storm Danny did make landfall just in the last, what was it, hour or so, guys, and is now uh, continuing to make its trek uh, inland. Let's go bring in Shay and his great uh, tropical analysis uh, for all the latest right now on uh, what Tropical Storm Danny, the storm that we only just got to know, is up to. Thanks, James. Yeah. Um, so, Danny, I was uh, made landfall near Pritchard's Island, uh, just north of Hilton Head, about an hour ago during the uh, on the eight a. I'm sorry, eight p.m. Uh, Eastern Time update from the NHC. So, I've been tracking this all day long, watching its uh, watching the pattern. Uh, it did have a convection uh, sort of blow blow up on the western side of the storm as it entered the Gulf Stream and it, uh, up along the coastal shelf waters along the Florida Hatteras slope. So, it had some warm water feed there. But the convection was mainly limited to the western side, all the way to the north in Charleston. We had a few bands of showers roll to the area of the gradient. I would say it was a little bit more impressive from Charleston to Winyah Bay, which is near Georgetown, um, where we saw gusts of 46 miles an hour at, at 10.02 a.m. this morning. Uh, Charleston, for the most part, we got gusts at around 41 miles per hour at our South Folly Center, uh, 37 to 38 miles an hour at Isle of Palms. For the most part, though, our average wind speeds are right around 24 to 28 miles per hour uh, and they're still, you know, they're still coming up from the south now at about 21 to 23 miles per hour, gusting up into the upper 20s. So a little bit of residual wind coming from the system with some banding, a little bit of banding. We saw a little bit of rain, a little bit of go outside. Uh, but for the most part, we had some showers mainly around midday, early afternoon. That was the heaviest stuff that we saw. And then most of it was really limited down into the Savannah area. So Savannah really got the worst of it. Uh, so fortunately for us, we didn't see that much. But even the winds down there, I didn't see any of the surface obs really peeling up into the tropical storm four speeds, but that might not be the case in some areas, some open areas uh, along the backside on land where we don't have any sensors. So um, yeah, the, it, at one point, I think the highest speeds were 45 miles per hour from the NHC, the 5 p.m. and then by, or yeah, 5 p.m., uh, 40 miles an hour at the next update as it made landfall. So we're a very, very weak tropical storm. Danny made, made landfall uh, just a little while ago, around just before 8 o'clock p.m. tonight. So Jared, um, you had some interesting sounding readings um, that showed that it was really dry at the mid-level. So let's hear about that. Let's see. Can you guys hear me okay? Sorry, I just... Uh... Right. I'm good. I'm not muted. Okay. Excellent. Live sometimes causes problems. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things about Danny that's been uh, super interesting is that, you know, one, it came on very quickly, you know, it was another one of those, you know, wave to circulation had its convection very far displaced uh, from the center, sheared off like crazy. And the sounding tonight continued to confirm that we saw a lot of dry air, above 700 millibars. And really the sounding looked more like uh, just a typical June day um, that, and then anything else you would, you know, you could take one, you would take one look at that in isolation and think, okay, yeah, it's okay. It's a typical summer day. Um, and, 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 and for the last few days when we've been watching this wave, that's kind of been the thinking is that, okay, yeah, this might get some tropical characteristics, but, 
At, but at the end of the day, the, the, the sensible weather effects are probably not going to be too much different. And as it turned out, that, that ended up being mostly correct. Um, you know, and and I'll give and I'll give a lot of credit to the high resolution ensemble forecast, the HREF too, because it painted a big bullseye of very heavy rain somewhere in the Savannah, uh, Southern South Carolina corridor, and boy, did it deliver! Uh, uh, that's for sure. Um, James, we got Chris Jackson with us. We're showing some of his tweets right now. He was uh, out in the uh, in the uh, in the flesh of that and the in the thick of that. So, uh, Chris, good to see you. And um, how uh, how are things where you are now? Hey, Jared. Good to see you guys. Shay, good to see you. Want to join in here? Um, yeah, it was an interesting day. Um, started out pretty non-eventful. Um, I think, like you were just alluding to. Uh, the soundings told told a lot of the story, uh, you know, starting from this morning's uh, 12Z from Charleston. Uh, you know, throughout the day and really throughout last night, we kept having these blowups of convection that would that would try to get a you know a good center around the core of Danny, I guess Danny now. And uh, you know, every time that 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 convection really blossomed, you start to see some CDO uh, start to expand. Uh, you know, the shear would just do its number, just you know, decouple it, you know, just horribly. And, uh, you know, that happened again this afternoon. And, you know, what happened outside of Hardyville about 7, 7 p.m. was just pretty, pretty insane. Chris, is that where you are now? Are you still near Hardyville? No, I'm actually down in Savannah now. I'm down here on the riverfront. Uh, probably going to camp out here for the night. Pretty tired, early morning. But, uh, yeah, uh, we, start, we started the day out actually here in Savannah, and uh, me and Brett. And uh, we, we headed out to Tybee Island first thing this morning. And, uh, you know, the impacts out there were <laughs> uh, none when we were out there. And, uh, you know, we were out there about 10 a.m., 11 a.m. Uh, it, it's not too many days you can go on the beach with a tropical, you know, potential tropical cyclone 200 miles away from land, and there's not even a, a leaf moving on a palmetto tree. It was, it was really surreal out there. It's like, oh, well, there's not much happening out here. So we decided to head north up to uh, Edisto and uh, took about an hour 45, two hours to get up there. And, uh, you know, even, even up there, we got a few uh, good bands that, that moved on shore uh, probably around 3, 4 o'clock. And uh, once that happened, uh, dry air again, it, it was it was obviously evident just being out there uh, on the on the beach uh, right there at Coots Restaurant that, you know, this ain't going to be the place to be if we want to see any impacts because, I mean, we have blue skies to the northeast out, out over uh, open ocean. So we made a decision to start heading back down toward uh, Savannah as we saw that uh, that big blossom of convection that came decoupled move off to the west. And, uh, yeah, that's where we uh, got into the, the thick of things once we approached Hardyville. And, and Chris, um, you know, Tybee Island, I'm seeing Tybee South Sensor. Uh, the highest wind speeds we got there were in the upper 20s, I think, in gusts for, from our mesonet. But um, – you know, the rainfall amount, we're talking about three or four inches in that area near Hardyville. Now, Hardyville's a known spot on I-95 to flood over. And they actually right. got shut down. That happened uh, oh, uh, a couple times back with, with tropical systems moving ashore. But that, you know, 7.04, James got pulled up here. Um, 7.04 inches in that area. You know, luckily that wasn't a little further north or else I-95 would have been shut down. It looks like it didn't bleed over into that area. And, yeah, I, didn't get, see, I, uh, and I didn't get the biggest one, apparently, Shay, because there's a spot where it's like, it's, it's over eight estimated by the radar here. Wow. Uh, Chris, yeah. Chris, does that, because this is just south of Hardyville. So this is pr kind of south of where you are, Chris. So I'm not sure, you know, what kind of verification we're going to see out of these numbers, but, you know, um, I, you know, 
I'm right there with you on that. Uh, you know, I don't know what the verification is going to be, you know, whether it's Kokoros or, you know, some kind of station there, you know, on the south side of 95, you know, outside of Hardyville. But, uh, man, the, the rainfall there, the, the video that you guys are showing, you know, that was shot over an hour after it happened. I mean, we were coming through the first time. I think the Weather Channel had our stream up. And, uh, man, I, I'm telling you, being from the south my whole life, you know, you see these, you know, heavy thunderstorms, even tropical weather brings, you know, heavy rain. That rain was something else. I mean, that rain was uh, unbelievable. And it, I would not be shocked if there was seven or eight inches that fell in there because you know, there's a solid stretch of about four miles of uh, US-17 between Hardyville and uh, the Savannah River that, uh, you know, the scene's just like you're seeing right now on the, on the screen. I mean, it, 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 it just wasn't one little localized spot. It was just, you know, we had a great spot to pull off and actually, you know, document this. You know, Chris, we spent the last couple of shows here on the Carolina Weather Group talking about flooding, especially along the coast. You're out there, you're you're taking pictures, you're on the Weather Channel, you're making observations, but we also saw you tweeting to the Weather Service. So what, what role can you explain to the audience that you're playing out there uh, in addition to just photographer? Right, right. And you bring up a great point. You know, it's, it's not just about chasing the storm and, and shooting cool video and you know, trying to see, you know, quote unquote, what the most extreme weather you can find is, you know, that that is all part of it. Sure. Let's be honest. Um, that's all part of it. But but goal in one is to get people information that could potentially save someone's life or give them the information that they can save their own life. And, you know, that, that's part on uh, the most important thing. Uh, the little three tweet uh, thread I sent to Charleston, uh, the first place we pulled up to with the tree across the road, I dropped a pin and started driving. And I had the tweet half done. We pulled up uh, at the flooding. I finished the first tweet, shot video for the second one. And by the time we got down the street to the, the car in the ditch, I'm like, well, I'll just send it all right now. So it, it was kind of like a smorgasbord over about 15 minutes trying to put a little tweet thread together. But uh, it, it, the rainfall down there, I, man, I'm telling you, the, all the ditches, the yards are full. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like that that fast in person. That, that and. That goes back to 2015 in Columbia. I, that that little localized rainfall area for about an hour, man. That, that was that was some intense rain. You know, I, I think the WPC put a weather uh, mesoscale discussion out for uh, was it three to four inches? I, I can't remember. I, I briefly looked at it because uh, I was trying to drive and you know be safe driving and, and uh, didn't really get a chance to look at it too much. Yeah, you can always tell. You can always tell a tropical rain versus just your standard deluge from like a storm event, right? I mean, when you, when you have a tropical feed into that, it's almost like when you see it hit the windshield, you can tell the difference in that rain versus just normal rain on a rainy day or a storm. But um, it's almost like it spreads evenly. All the drops are the even size, and it just sheets the windshield like over and over. Right, so, right. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no reprieve from it whatsoever. And what was really interesting about that, it, it, you know, Jared, I, I'm sure you're probably looking at the radar like a hog if I, if, if I think I know you will. But uh, <laughs> it looked like, you know, as that, that, that convection that moved on shore, that was part of the CDO from this morning as it got sheared away. And it looks like it tried to redevelop, and it looks like what happened down there, you know, just between Hardyville and the Savannah River, it tried to – get a new low level vortex under it. And that's what caused it just to become stationary and try to, and try to get a new spin right up under it. That's at least that's what it looked like. Thank, thank you for, cause I thought I was crazy. No, no, no. I, I saw the exact same thing there. And I was like, this thing is going to claw dead on us. You know, yeah. it, it's going it, to, you know, it, it was, get, it was, it was really trying uh, right. there for a minute. Um, 
You know, I, and, I, and, I, you pull back up the radar data. If you look for more Robbins, I know when we were headed down to Savannah, uh, right before we got on I ninety five, it probably was around six o'clock, probably five six o'clock, five thirty ish. Um, if you look from the Warner Robins radar archive, th- those tops on those storms were sixty two thousand feet. I mean, yep. you, we started seeing sixty two thousand feet with the amount of dry air that was evident in the Savannah soundings, and all the like. Th- these are like no brainers off for you know storm chasing. Like you're about to have something big go down. Like you need to get there. Yeah, I was looking at the uh, I was looking at the ghost data too, and you know there were several of those um, thermal couplets that you see, and particularly intense thunderstorms, um, where you have you know the very cold cloud tops on one side, and then warming cloud tops on the other, and that's indi- indicative of very very uh, robust convection. And that was um, possible to see that because we had the one minute sector over us today, which was super helpful. Um, but yeah, that I mean that was really intense, and you know I think the thing that you know. The, Again, this is something that we don't normally associate with the tropical system. Is that this is on the southwest flank? This is not, you know, this was not in the northeast part. Northeast part is bone dry. I mean, we we were in we were in the northeast part. We sent a sounding up. I mean, we are we are very dry comparatively here. Um, and I got to wonder, you know, we'll go back and look at the data. We'll go back and look at the you know at the analyses and see what was what. But I can't help but wonder if maybe there was a, you know, if there was some sort of maybe some you know differential heating boundary or something like that that's set up there, and 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 really put the squeeze on that. Um, I, I think it's going to be an interesting post mortem there because that certainly was. Um, because I mean, just the, the the level of convergence there, and then just the intensity of that convection, um, you know, with all that dry air in place. I mean, it was certainly um, it was certainly a, a very interesting thing to watch. Um, and I'll say it was modeled very well. Uh, I'll go back and I'll say that again. It, it was modeled extremely well. Um, that was it was pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, when I actually got down here to meet up with Brett this morning, I showed him the twelve Z. Uh, Charleston sounded when I woke him up and I was like, you ever seen 50 knots out of the East at uh, 150 millibars? And he looked at me and was probably, well, what are you talking about? What? He looked at me like, what? So yeah, I mean, the, the problem, yeah, that was weird. You no, know, it was yeah. on the clowns two days ago. And I looked at it. I'm like, yeah, I probably don't really buy much of that. Like I might buy some of it, but maybe not the whole pie. And, and I'll be it, it absolutely verified. Like you guys are saying. And, uh, you know, the one thing I wish we could have had, maybe a little bit of recon from the aircraft, but I understand the, the logistics and all that. You know, that's fine. Uh, but uh, thankfully, it wasn't a bigger event because, you know, think about this. If, if there would have been half the amount of shear that it was, let's just say there still was shear, maybe half the amount out of the, you know, the three the four or five times that that storm tried to get a, a, a solid core, CDO, sustained convection, all the things, you know, that, that could have really, really ramped up quick and probably caught some people off guard. I mean, it did. Yeah, I mean, true. if you think about it, went over the Gulf Stream and, and 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 you started seeing those towers go up right over the Gulf Stream, and and it did. Uh, you know, for anyone I'm, who's wondering, what was the first time that it appeared on a Hurricane Center Outlook? Was it Friday night, Saturday? Anybody remember? I, I think it was either it was Friday night or Saturday morning, James. I think it was Saturday, Saturday afternoon, I think. Um, but yeah, to, you know, to your point, Chris, uh, you know, the sounding this morning, even yesterday, we we're seeing very low shear at the mid-levels. I mean, your shear was really up high. Um, and, and all east flow all the way across, that's, that's due in part by mid-level high and then a, a, a rather large dome off the northeast United States, a huge ridge out there north of the Bermuda. Uh, but you saw that. Once Danny kind of got back underneath 
that explosion of convection along the shoreline, it got even bigger. So you you saw all of that, that boundary layer just completely coupled. And then next thing you know, it's blowing up. You're seeing gravity waves spread, spread in all directions, almost almost familiar with rapid intensification. I mean, I'm not, I'm not calling that here. What I'm saying is the pattern looked very close as that slid up underneath its convection and got coupled once again. It just it just blew up. Um, right, right. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive post uh, post mortem. Yeah. Yeah, and not to mention, you know, that storm yesterday, really early yesterday, it was threading the needle between two upper level lows that were, you know, retrograding back off to the west around the subtropical ridge. And uh, you know that thing had to had to really navigate that just to just to be what it was today. But I really think the the, the southerly upper level low, what was left of it, uh, helped a lot of times with that convection to to really get those outflow channels expanding. And uh, I, I'm really curious to actually read this report when it comes out after the end of the year, even though it may not be the storm everybody remembers. And and you know that's great, but from the meteorological side of it. Here's a visual from Dakota Smith of uh, satellite imagery today. And yeah, you can see that intensification. And the other thing I want to show guys, and I, I'm, I'm presuming you were in the same boat as, as I was, I kept getting flashbacks to Bertha and here's Bertha last year, very similar location, but that was another one of those formed right off the coast and made landfall before most people even knew that it was a thing. And, you know, <laughs> I think most of us I, I were. I was in the plains. So I was like, for what? <laughs> uh, I was, uh, yeah, you know, you, you think about Bertha, that started life as a, um, uh, you know, that started life as a special marine worn storm for a water spout. And uh, that, that really escalated quickly. Um, so um, we'll, uh, we're going to sign off Shay there. And, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that one escalated super quickly. At least this one, we had a couple days notices. Okay, there's something there. That a might... couple days notice if you're monitoring inside baseball hurricane center outlooks or mm -hmm. paying very close attention to your 11 yep. o'clock news. Right, right? right. But this isn't something that like came off the coast of Africa and we watched it for two weeks. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. No, no, absolutely right. I mean, and, you know, it, it got it together. You know, it did get it together pretty quickly. I don't know if it was as fast as Bertha, but I mean, it's the same kind of homegrown thing. Again, it's a homegrown storm, you know, and and, and that is June. I mean, that's that's what happens in June. You you know, some usually we're looking at frontal boundaries for this sort of thing and not, you know, straight up tropical waves. Um, but, you know, the Gulf Stream, it just does things. Yeah, and, Bertha, for the record, was uh, late May of 2020. So mm -hmm. similar ish timelines uh, here in the pre peak of the hurricane season. Yeah, James, I was wondering if you could pull that visible back up. I wanted to, I wanted to point some out of Jared, but maybe of, of today, right? Yes, 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 please. Yeah, okay, give me one second. Yeah, because it was something I noticed. It, it did this morning and again this afternoon, I believe. Here comes. Um, yeah, you're good. But uh, it's kind of hard to see without the lat lawn. But that storm was on a northwesterly trajectory. I, I actually plotted it out by hand this morning. I had it uh, like a 300-degree motion, which is, a, you know, like north, north, uh, I don't know, north, northwest, uh, at like 16 or 18 knots. But mm -hmm. you know, that storm kept on to the northwest until it got that CDO and that deep convection. Every time that happened, it took a jog due west. Mm -hmm. It Every totally turned. Gave it more time over water. Right. And see, that also happened, like I was telling Jared, as it became ashore, you started to get some convergence with, a, with land. You get land convergence, so you can get a little natural enhancement of the winds and stuff like that. But it also, it tried to develop 
you try to pull back up under that convection and that's just really interesting to watch on satellite as it's over the ocean and also be directly under it because of wow Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we all, I was watching that this morning too. I mean, Scotty and I, we were talking in the in our uh, Carolina, you know, weather group private chat, and it was like, uh, guys, I think this is going a little more north than had been modeled, and um, and and that was for a time correct. Uh, it was uh, certainly probably feeling uh, more influence uh, from the high to the north, and then as it you know as it generates more convection, and that will uh, that will turn it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that was uh, th- this is going to be an interesting one to study. I always find I always find that the, the minor storms, you know, the, the, the ones that, you know, that are like the Berthas, that are like the Dannys. I think those are the ones that we need to understand better because you know, it, it's you know, there's 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 a whole lot that goes into it. And and, and these are the kinds of things, again, this is kind of on a small scale. What happens with some of our, lar- you know, with, per se, per se, a Michael. Or, you know, literally every storm that hit Louisiana last year, you know, intensifying right up to landfall. You know, yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and, and you make a great point. You know, it's these the mesoscale features in these small storms that people might not really think about. Or, you know, you're not going to hear much about the media, uh, you know, for whatever reason. You know, these tiny mesoscale features that, that are really hard to forecast, especially with any kind of time, you know, time guidance out. Um, until you get within that narrow, you know, three-hour window, and you can actually see it about to happen. You know, if you take that that area that James had pulled up, seven to eight inches, you know, spatially, that's a pretty big area. What happens if you move it fifteen miles southwest? And that's what I mean. And that's what the HREF was showing. I, right, I think that's right. the other thing too. And, and, and you know, and that, again, and that's the beauty of ensembles. And and I'll tell people, you know what? And I'll tell you what. Every day we should be counting our lucky stars with it. Just the, I mean, one minute satellite updates, updating faster than the radar. Um, you know, we now have an ens- an ensemble of great high resolution models that have been really been nailing it so far this summer with heavy rain events. Um, you know, just just absolutely crushing it with the heavy rain events this summer so far. Um, really putting those three-inch three inch and three-hour uh, probabilities right in the right place. Um, you know, so, so again, I think, I, I think that, you know, as our tools get better, uh, you know, we can start to look at this, you know, a little further out and keep in mind that the HRF had, had this kind of bullseye in this area for about two days. Like, that's pretty good. That's I want to orient people. Here's here's Hilton Head. Here's Savannah. What do you guys think we would be talking about right now had this bullseye been? I'm going to measure it now. Ten miles to the south over Savannah. I, I would be filming people getting rescued out of boats right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, quite honestly, and that you know, thankfully that's something that's not happening. But it, you know, it doesn't take away from the folks that did experience it because I mean, look, there was some locally extreme rainfall down there, and uh, you know, it could have been a lot worse, but it still was bad in its own right. But uh, you know, it's so fascinating from a meteorological perspective, the, the science part of it. Mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to, to jump in, and Chris, good seeing you. Uh, glad you uh, was able to to get down there. Um, Joe Bastardi tweeted out today, and, and you know, Joe's kind of like likes to look at long range things, and he kind of said this kind of might be the atmosphere telling us what what could be taking place you know, a couple of months down the road as we really get into the heart of the season. Uh, we've seen, Jared, as you was talking about earlier, the uh, rapid intensification process happen with storm after storm over the last few years. So if that is true, that's kind of scary in a way as we look into the heart of hurricane season and could see another round of, of this happening again for this hurricane season. 
Yeah, yeah. The rapid intensification. You know, I, I experienced that firsthand last year with uh, was it Zeta on the Gulf Coast. Uh, we were in we were in Waveland, Mississippi, which you know, if anybody knows anything about Waveland, you know, the town was about wiped off wiped off the face of the earth for lack of better terms uh, during Katrina. I mean, they really took it on the face. And we were in Waveland as that storm came in. And, and let me tell you, that little cat, that cat two, you know, it wasn't big. It wasn't a big storm. That storm blew out every single window in our truck. I mean, it that storm got really bad, really fast. And, you know, the, the rapid intensification stuff is, you know, something, especially when storms get close to the coast, is so important to uh, you know, take into consideration for uh, communications and preparedness for people. Yeah, I honestly think that that is probably the most urgent problem in hurricane forecasting. I think that we're getting really good at storm surge. I think the rapid intensification part, we got to crack that nut. I, I think that is, you know, because we're, we're, we just keep seeing it. I'm, will, I'm willing to say, I think there's a part of this, you know, how many times have we seen like, you know, a sustained, you know, group of models kind of hint at it. Maybe, maybe not go overboard like, you know, the NAM three just going crazy. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, you see the signals. You see the signals. You see hints. You see uh, maybe a little inklings. Like, you know, okay, this is this is saying this, and this is saying that. And I think maybe sometimes we don't want to talk it up, but also it's like walking the fine line of communicating the risk between likelihood and probablehood. Mm-hmm. Uncertainty is hard. I, I think that's, you know, that that is the that is the, what we deal with anyway with every day from simple probability precipitation forecasts from simple painting pops all the way up to messaging hazards such as, you know, the high end of hazards such as what could happen with, you know, with a, a landfalling tropical system. Um, and, and not only do we have a long way to go in the meteorological side of things, but social science too, uh, you know, and, and uh, I'm not going to necessarily play uh, Dr. McLean, uh, Kim Clock McLean from weather brains here. She's much better at this than I am, but, uh, um, but there is a lot, you know, there's, there's a lot that, that, that we can grow into. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot that we're going to find here. And, um, I, I guess the thing, the, the big takeaway from Danny is I'm glad it wasn't much worse. Yeah. Let's uh, take a look here at some of the storm reports so we can let people know what it is that we did see with this storm. Just like Chris kind of said earlier, it could have been a heck of a lot worse, but we don't want to uh, forget anybody who might be experiencing a little bit of uh, impact tonight. Right. So here's the uh, uh, local storm reports from uh, our friends at the IEM bot. Whoa, it updated. Okay. Let's push it back into the coast. Right. So we had uh, 30, 40 mile per hour, uh, not winds uh, recorded in the Charleston area, but you know, the flash flood warnings here in, in, green and also reports of downed trees uh, right here in uh, Port Wentworth, South Carolina. You know, this is just uh, outside or between that uh, Hilton Head and Savannah area, right? So we do have trees coming down. We have lightning striking the clubhouse here at the Rice Hope subdivision. And that obviously would be a factor too with uh, with a big storm like this rolling on through. Smoke in the area reported as a, a aftermath of this lightning strike. Uh, we have another one at WSAV Television building in Savannah, Georgia being struck by lightning on two separate occasions of course i'll presume it had something to do probably with that big metal mass they have in their back parking lot and uh, you can see where a lot of the impacts were felt from this uh, storm we can see also on radar tonight some of the uh, heavier rains right now making their way uh, just outside of the augusta area and uh, we still have some of those winds on blowing through too so you know uh, we want to know what it was that you saw you can comment if you're watching us live right now and uh, we can 
put those up on the uh, screen and let people know uh, what it was that you maybe observed in addition to uh, what Chris Jackson saw and reported to us earlier was that that flooding there in, in Hardyville, South Carolina. It's uh, could have been a heck of a lot worse, but but still plenty of people had a bad enough day here with this uh, tropical storm that. I'm not going to say it came without warning. And if someone says it, that's incorrect because we did get tropical storm warnings before we even had Danny. We had tropical depression four uh, come out this morning. We had those tropical storm warnings come out in anticipation of a late afternoon, early evening landfall. And that's exactly what happened. Did it all play out in the relatively small amount of time in the course of hours and not days? That would be true. Uh, let's uh, see if we can get some audio out of uh, Scotty Powell. There. Yeah. I was going to say one other thing, uh, James, was uh, the rip currents that was taking place along yes. the coast today. Uh, Ten rip current uh, rescues in Wrightsville Beach and Carolina Beach today there in New Hanover County. I knew I uh, saw some pictures from Myrtle Beach. There was the, the no swim uh, flags up. And when we have an onshore flow like that, uh, that really stirs up the rip currents. And uh, we're going to see as as um, Danny moves out. We're going to continue to see that Bermuda high, that high pressure out over the Atlantic, continue uh, those onshore flow uh, winds. So we're going to see rip currents. Uh, I know this is going to be a pretty heavily traveled beach week and weekend. So uh, those rip current risk will be uh, high for the uh, for the next few days along the coast. So um, as Danny moves out, still be mindful of that if you're if you're heading to the beach. And we are watching an area out there in the Atlantic that the uh, National Hurricane Center is keeping a close eye on. This is one of those who will watch over the course of several days into uh, the week time span or so, 40 or 60% chance, kind of taking right along that, that path that you might expect. As for Danny, uh, Danny will move on out, become a depression here shortly, and then kind of dissipate someplace over Georgia. But as Scotty mentioned, uh, we'll be watching for the kind of the uh, the effects of that storm all along the coast. Uh, again, if you're going to be out there in the water, uh, Chris Jackson, I, I see him desperately trying to reconnect, and uh, maybe he'll <laughs> pop back up here on the screen. But I know we know you're trying, Chris. It's just not not behaving. James, I see a question here um, from Asheville if they're going to get hit by that storm. If you don't mind, um, I can talk a little bit about the inland effects of what's going to take place. Um, as Danny or the remnants of Danny continues to move through uh, the lowlands of South Carolina into the Midlands and then eventually the upstate uh, northeast Georgia, it's going to start to lose some of its punch. But what happens with this is when we get a strong southeasterly flow, uh, the uh, HRR is showing some rainfall that could, tend, that could move into the upstate, including Greenville, Spartanburg, Asheville, over towards Hickory, Statesville, uh, the foothills and the mountains of North Carolina. We could actually see a band of rain develop uh, late tonight and last through early tomorrow. Even uh, some of the rate, uh, models are showing even through lunchtime tomorrow. So you can kind of see that band of rain uh, that's going to be uh, moving into the area. So uh, when we have rain coming from this direction and that upslope component, it normally means we're going to see some localized heavy downpours. So don't be surprised if you live anywhere between Greenville, Spartanburg, up to Asheville, uh, where I live here in Morganton, Hickory, Statesville, up into Wilkesboro, Boone, uh, and, and then the, the mountains that we could see some heavy rain showers tomorrow morning through the lunchtime hours. So don't be surprised if you pick up a quick inch or so. Uh, it will be kind of scattered, so not everybody will see that rainfall, but those who do see uh, those scattered showers, maybe not to the extent as Chris experienced there in Hardyville, uh, but if 
you are caught under one of these showers late tonight, early tomorrow, uh, you could see a quick inch or so of rainfall. So just be mindful of that if you live anywhere in the upstate of South Carolina into the western and southwestern mountains of North Carolina. Thank you for that question, for that analysis, Scotty. And Chris, uh, I think has changed devices and we got him again. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened there. I had to. Uh, I love NDI for for the for the techies out there. I was using NDI. And I, it just died. Uh, I don't know. I was like, oh well, I'm done. <laughs> it's a long day. <laughs> uh, Michael watching on YouTube. He was in Charleston during Hugo, and of course, that would have been a completely, completely different story than what Tropical Storm Danny brought us. But we appreciate that perspective, and uh, it does kind of give us a good scale of of what uh, what any one of these could be, right? And you know, yeah. you think you think about some of the, uh, the the biggest and most impactful hurricane seasons, and last year was certainly a record breaking one. And you know, uh, it, it doesn't have to always be a twenty storm season to be impactful it could just be one of these so we had our fourth name storm danny still out there on the map but uh we'll have to obviously continue to watch what the rest of the season will bring because uh, we are just wrapping up june we got july we got august and then the hurricane season doesn't even technically peak statistical average until early to mid-September. So if you have not yet uh, prepared for the hurricane season, now is the time to do that. It always pays off to be prepared. It's better to not need the supplies than to need them and not have them. Uh, Chris, what do you guys travel with out there? What's that? What's that, James? Try one more time. What do you guys travel with uh, when you're out? Yeah, obviously, you're electing to put yourself into storms, which is right. a little bit different than what we would tell the average person to do. Right. But what do yeah. you guys bring along for survival? You know, we got a we got we got a suburban that's custom fitted out. To, you know, if if there is a, a way to fit uh, a vehicle out to chase storms, this is it. You know, we've got about four different uh, modems in here to. Uh, uh, to, to have connections and stuff like connectivity and of course with my fire department experience i i carry i carry a couple little bags that's got uh, enough enough of the basic essential stuff you know if we if i run across somebody i can you know a i can get myself out of trouble and b i can i can help somebody get out of trouble and uh you know the biggest thing is you know with having me we try to not put ourselves in a situation that's going to have to result in you know maybe somebody having to swim but uh, yeah i don't hope i ever happens to me uh, uh, fingers crossed, but uh, um, the, the biggest thing is just being smart and being and proactive and remembering that, uh, you know, nothing's worth a human life. Uh, the only thing that's worth a human life is trying to save another human's life. And, and uh, you know, that's something I'll live by uh, forever. Well, we appreciate the perspective you give. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times you might hear some pushback on storm chasers and you know there's there's a line between uh safety and mission right but sure. it's uh seeing is believing too and and yeah, that's, that's why that's why storm chasers and journalists do what they do because they can bring those pictures uh, to you at home um scotty i think you had another point we have another question in chat so i'll, I'll toss the mic to you yeah so uh flash flood uh flash flood or flash flood watch need for Asheville air columbia areas no none of that uh, we're not going to see any really sustained heavy rain for for long duration so you may see some ponding on the roadways maybe uh some small ditches or something like that filling up uh this rain is going to be on the move I don't foresee any flash flood needed. Uh, one thing you were talking about, uh, the fourth storm, James, I was just kind of 
looking back through uh, three of the four storms that we've already seen, Bill, Claudette, and now Danny all have origins here in the Carolinas for one reason or the other. So that's just a little fun fact that Bill formed off the North Carolina coast. Claudette reformed in North Carolina. And now we have Danny hitting South Carolina. So let's hope that's not an omen of what's to come later on down the road. James, can I jump in here real quick? Before I lost my train of thought, you, you were asking uh, James about, you know, the, the safety precaution, you know, something also, you know, when we're out chasing, we try to coordinate, we try, you know, between me and Brett, we know a good many people in the national health service and, you know, local officials, stuff like that, especially in South Carolina with me. Um, you know, we try to coordinate with the local folks and let them know, Hey, we're here and, you know, shoot them a link to our stream. You know, if nothing else, you can watch our stream and you can see exactly what's happening. And, you know, if that's a, if that's a way to help ground comp, you know, confirm something just, just through the, the use of video, and I know the Weather Channel, you know, had our stream a few times today. And, it, it, you know, our app is free that we we use. I'm not trying to give a shameless plug here, but uh, the live chasing app uh, through LiveStorms Media, you know, that, that's free for anybody. Anybody can watch that. And, uh, you know, if you want to see what the impacts look like, uh, there's no better way than to see it through video. I mean, video, video has a way of getting people's attention and telling a story unlike any human ever can. Well, that's what the uh, weather industry is all about, right? It might be competitive amongst TV stations or uh, cable networks or whatever it may be, but right. it's all about collaborating and relaying that life-saving information. Right, right. Yeah, of course, you know, we got to make our money because we got to have the equipment to be able to get the stuff out. You know, it, it's not a money-making thing for firsthand. It, it's, you know, for me at least, I, I do want to help people. And, uh, and, and, I'm just thankful I'm able, able to get out here and just do what I can. You know, it might seem like some days you don't do a whole lot, and it might seem like you do a whole lot some days, but uh, never stop trying, you know, never stop trying the best. Heck yeah, man. Nope. <laughs> Love it. Oh, man. Well, you know, Chris, we thank you guys for uh, being out there and uh, providing those pictures today. Some interesting stuff, a couple more interesting facts about today's storm is that about danny today one it was the fourth time all in the last 20 years where we've had the d storm in june 2015 2015's danny happened in august i tweeted that to me this morning and uh, i was like yeah yeah so i mean we we're, we're really starting to blow through these names pretty fast once again and the second one which i can't believe but this is incredible. So Phil Klotzbach has um, has a, just a fascinating stat about Danny in South Carolina. Tropical Storm Danny has made landfall in South Carolina. I'm just reading his tweet here because he says it better than I could. The first June named storm to make landfall in South Carolina since Hurricane 1 of 1867. How about that? Say that one more time. Wow. Danny is the first June named storm to make landfall in South Carolina since Hurricane One of 1867. Strictly wow. in the month of June. Strictly now that's not counting month, Bertha. Yeah. yeah, I mean Bertha last year obviously was, was May. May. Was earlier. Was yeah, it was earlier. But that's kind of remarkable. Considering that, you know, considering that we do see plenty of effects from weak tropical systems, you know, in, in this month. But a lot of times those are coming up, you know, they're, they're brushing the coast. You know, they're, 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 they're brushing back to the Outer Banks or they're coming in from the Gulf. Uh, you can, you know, there's yeah. countless storms that we've had come through there. And this is forced by, well, forced by front, sorry, they're blocked by the ridge. 
Right. Right. So this is kind of this is this is kind of mind blowing, actually. And the fact that, you know, in, in with the easterly track, I mean, you know, some of the early track returns on this, we're going to bring this into Savannah. Savannah hasn't had a hurricane strike in over a century. Uh, yeah, um, me and Brad had that conversation today. You know, we're out in Tybee Island. That's my first time actually ever going out there. And I've you know, lived in Columbia my whole life. Uh, you know, I've made the, made the comment to him. I'm like, man, this has been a long time since they've ever seen a big cane out here because I could tell a lot of the, the, the home construction, you know, it, it just it, it reeks of, uh, I guess it reeks because that sounds bad, but, you know, it, it just looks like, you know, 1950s, 1960s construction. It's like, it's been a minute. Mm-hmm. And after what that we saw first, Laura, we after what we saw in Laura last year along the Louisiana coast firsthand, man, I'm telling you, that that storm gave me a whole new perspective on hurricanes last year, man. <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so yeah, um, uh, James, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna bring this guy home. But uh, you know, so. any final yeah, any final thoughts on Danny and. You know, there's going to be a lot to talk about. I suspect that we'll be talking about this for for at least a few more days. You know, nerding out until the next one, right? Yeah, no, uh, no, no more thoughts other than what we talked about. But it's good to see you guys, good Scotty, James, uh, Jared, okay, all of you. Good to you see know, you, but, Chris. Yeah, you, you guys know yeah. all I can do. Like James, just shoot me a message. As long as I'm not like like about to pass out, sleepy. <laughs> sure, I'll hop on. <laughs> yep. Well, be safe, safe out there, buddy, and um, good to see you, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, get some rest. Thanks, yeah, Chris. Absolutely. You guys take care. Thanks. Later, man. Uh, before we go tonight, uh, tease ahead to what's coming your way as a new episode of the Carolina Weather Group this uh, Wednesday. Uh, tell us, fill us in here, Scotty. You're the one who conducted the conversation it's, yeah. uh, w- with our pal in is it Chattanooga? Yeah, so Paul Barris, he has uh, been in the TV business. I don't have my notes right in front of me, but we talk about it in the episode. I think it's 47 years in the weather business, 35 of those years in Chattanooga. I believe wow. is that. I don't have my notes in front of me, so you'll have to tune in to make to, to find out all the good details. But uh, Paul forecasted the 1974 tornado outbreak. Also, the 2011 tornado outbreak that you know we've talked about here on the show. He also forecasted the 1993. Um, if you live in Western North Carolina, it's known as the 93 blizzard, but sometimes it's referred to as the 93 superstorm. There's kind of a, a little back and forth between there of, of blizzard and and superstorm. But anyway, it's one of the biggest snowfall events to ever happen in North Carolina and Eastern Tennessee. So we talk about that. We talk about how technology has changed throughout his career, starting in the seventies to currently uh, what we're using. So a, a great conversation, great set down. Paul retires on, let's see, what is July 2nd? Friday. Friday is his last day. So last day on air. So um, we really enjoyed the conversation. Really good guy. And he's actually offered to come back and, and, just do some guest hosting with us. So uh, he liked it that much. Am I out of a job now? Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, no, you're not out of a job, but I also will tease a little bit while you guys were talking hurricane. I was going through Twitter to see if I could bring any good content. So I wasn't really affected by anything with Danny today, but a 4.2 magnitude earthquake hit San Francisco recently, just over the last 15 minutes, our buddy Ed Piotrowski actually on vacation out there. Oh, I didn't realize he was out there. Yeah, said his hotel swayed for about 15 to 20 seconds, and it was his first earthquake since he was growing up as a little boy in San Diego. So, um, so yeah, you'll be hearing about this, I'm sure. Uh, Yeah, that uh, that sounds about right. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, I mean, what, California is going to call that a baby, but that's, I mean, that's a good shake. That's a really good shake. Yes. I'm, you know, yeah. normally when you hear about these earthquakes, oh. they're not really in the center city area, but uh, this one right in the San Francisco yeah. Bay area. So, yeah, that's that. That's right there. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure tech Twitter is uh, uh, blowing up right now, too. That's right. I mean, that you, you think Silicon Valley in that area. I mean, that's exactly where that's exactly where that is. So, oh, boy. Looking at, looking at some of the data, uh, Jared, uh, it was pretty shallow, too. Just six miles mm-hmm. deep. So. Yeah, that, and well, yeah, and that makes sense then. You know, with uh, you know uh, Ed's report about everything, uh, you know, his uh, hotel swaying like that, that definitely makes sense. Probably felt a pretty decently long way too. Yeah, you guys were talking, and I, I seen uh, pop up on Twitter tsunami not expected in San Francisco, and I was like, wait, what? What? So yeah, that's normally to, a red flag. I went to digging around, and I was like, ah. That's why they're saying that. So. Yeah, uh, you can. That's. Uh, I mean, that's incredible. I also didn't know that Ed was from San Diego. I wonder if he shares my same affinity for the Padres. I have to ask him next time he's on. We'll have to um, ask. Yeah. yeah, but uh, no, that's. Uh, you know, I mean, we. It's. It's been kind of wild. I think. I think we'd be remiss not to note the. You know, we we were talking. We alluded to this earlier, and I know that we're trying to get out of here, but um, the weather pattern right now in the continental u.s is absolutely insane um i want to say seattle hit 115 today oh yeah yeah um, there's a town in canada 118 yep so so we have ridges you know we have we have ridges in the two and look at these the, look at these the excessive heat warnings look at it yep yep if you're listening we to have- our podcast it's multiple states from canada to mexico yeah, and, and keep in mind that uh, air conditioning is not exactly a, a, a staple in the Pacific Northwest because it doesn't need to be. Um, and so uh, keep those folks in your thoughts. Uh, I, I uh, What they're going through right now, I have some friends, I have some old coworkers and friends and family up there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a rough time. Uh, for sure. And and we're seeing a similar heat wave up in the Boston area. I mean, not quite as intense as maybe 115, but certainly they're also dealing with excessive heat warnings. They're dealing with very high heat indices for their area. Um, and, and that part of the ridge is what steered Danny into our neck yeah. of the woods today. Just looking at uh, one of the graphics here on Twitter, 30, 33 degrees warmer than average today in Seattle. So, I mean, 33 degrees warmer than average. That's, you know, those climate prediction centers. I, I don't think there's a scale of red for that on there. Well, that's a 100 <laughs> percent. Now, you know, you know, I think that's a that's a that's a no doubter there yeah. as far as exceeding uh, exceeding the normals. And, um, you know, th- th- thankfully, there was a marine layer uh, creeping up the Oregon coast. And within that marine layer, it was 68 degrees, 35 miles away. It was 95 degrees. You imagine so that. To give you a general idea of the thermal gradient there. Uh, oh. Do you guys realize we didn't even talk about the hurricane on the Pacific side of Mexico? <laughs> there's so well, yeah, much there's going Enrique. on. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is, yeah. Oh, and the fact that we have a Cape Verde storm uh, we have, we have a wave coming off of Africa that's that far out that might develop in June. Yeah, that what month is this? uh, It's scary. I mean, it's I'm not saying it's scary to kind of scare people, but it's kind of scary in the weather world. Like, man, we're not supposed to be this busy right now. You know, right. If this is June, what's September? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So 
Well, I don't know. It's a, it, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that we have Carolina Weather Group and the Carolina Weather Net to keep you up to date. You don't need yeah. a cable subscription for that. Watch us all the all time. Free. We talk about we're all free. We talk about you know we're constantly talking about and investigating this stuff more. So definitely so. And you were talking yeah. about the heat. I would be reminisced to add, uh, add that uh, we have a pretty strong cold front expected to move through the area on Friday. Uh, there's hints it. it completely clears the coast there's hints it may kind of stall out so those fourth of july plans are kind of iffy right now if we can get the front off the coast we're talking about highs on sunday july 3rd or july 4th maybe not getting out of the 70s in parts of north carolina with low humidity i mean when's the last time that's with happened? sun or clouds with sun completely well sun. now i know where i'm going me up I mean, if All we right. can get this, if we can See get this there. front, if we can get the front out of here and off the coast, that's a possibility. But as uh, Shay likes to say, fronts come to die here, and so there's also that possibility it stalls out over the Carolinas, and it's a hot, humid, stormy weekend like. Fourth of July normally is around here, mm-hmm. so we'll just have to see. Well, yeah, <laughs> if you had indoor, more time, I do a Twitter yeah. poll. Yeah. <laughs> indoor plans, just make sure your indoor just, plans do not involve fireworks. That does, yeah, Mother Nature may give her indoor. Mother Nature may give her own fireworks. This She's weekend, got it covered. Point, so. There you go. Well, that does do it for this special live edition of the Carolina Weather Group. On behalf of Shay and Chris and Scotty and Jared, I am James Brierton. Thanks for joining us for this live analysis of Tropical Storm Danny. We'll keep a close eye on uh, it for the next few hours or so. But again, it's expected to weaken and uh, bring, uh, again, some rains, but no need for a flash flood watch or really not much else to talk about as we uh, wrap up this Monday. But it uh, it was a, a day that started with a chance for development, then a tropical depression four, then a tropical storm, and then a landfall. As Jared mentioned, you can find nonstop weather coverage from us uh, with real-time conditions across the Carolinas streaming for free anytime no cable or satellite subscription is needed just check out the carolina weather net at carolinaweathergroup.com or you can find it on youtube and i'll just tell you it makes a great uh, little uh, feature for the youtube app there on your roku or amazon fire just pop that on up and uh, off your go to the races and uh, you can you can stay uh, entertained and informed throughout the day so uh, that does it for now. As Scotty mentioned, we have an all new episode of the Carolina Weather Group, our weekly show coming your way. That's Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. For now, I'm James Briarton. Thanks for joining us. Have a good night.